Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. This is John Gordon. I'm here with my co-host, Mari Cleveland. How are you, Mari? I'm doing great, John. And Mr. Craig. Hey, buddy. Today, we're going to talk about, well, let's just, let's just put the ingredients together and you tell me what we're going to talk about. We're going to take a couple that's been married for 29 <clears throat> years, and then we're going to add in 10 children over that period of time. And then we're going to add in grandchildren. Probably about five of them, maybe one more coming. <laughs> and we're going to put all that together in this podcast. And the potential for a messy family is high. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about the Messy Family Project and our guests. And I'll, uh, I'll just leave it at that. It does sound like a messy family. Could be. I think one we can all relate to. Perfect. I guess okay. we're going to be talking about cleaning up messes. I'll let our guests decide on what they do. All right. Um, it sounds like we're going to need some prayer, though, if we've got a lot of messes. All okay. right, let's do it. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. It's kind of funny that this is a period of time where we're also talking about the novena to Mary, the undoer of knots. So, uh, Heavenly Father, we just bring to you our families. We bring to you all those messes and challenges that come up every day, uh, the chaos that may come up within our families. And yet, you're the center and you are the solver of all chaos. You are the person that orders all things in right order. In the midst of that chaos and in the midst of our own mistakes and our own learning through the process, we just ask you to be with us. We ask you to help our listeners learn from the wisdom of our guests. And we just ask you to continue to write straight with crooked lines of our lives to help us and our families grow closer to you and to be examples to others in the world. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. 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 Okay, so we queued it up. John queued it up for us, and actually John gave us a lot more of the detail um, that I was going to share, but I will share that the name of this messy family, the people who headed up, are Mike and Alicia Hernan. And so, Mike and Alicia, we welcome you into the family room today. We're so glad to have you with us. Thank you for inviting us. Of course. And so for our listeners, as you just heard, Mike and Alicia have been married for actually 29 and a half years. Um, They've got 10 children. They've got five grandchildren, one on the way, and they are the head of the MessyFamilyProject.org. So you can find them at MessyFamilyProject.org. They are in their fifth full year of being in full-time ministry with this. So it was going so well, and they were having so much fun with it, and they were getting so many responses to people having this need that they quit their jobs and started doing this full-time. And we are very grateful. As we started to look at some of the uh, resources you have, it's overwhelming the number of resources you have, and you're continuing to grow those resources. So I know that we and all of our listeners are going to be very thankful for that because we talked right before we started um, recording with you that we have very similar hearts. We also love to encourage and offer for hope and encouragement and truth and wisdom to families. And it sounds like you you are doing the same thing. And so it's wonderful to be able to to share this platform and to uh, share this time together with you today. So once again, welcome. Thank you. I feel like it's like fellow workers in the vineyard. You know, exactly. That's what you think about it. It's like, oh, link arms, let's all work together. <laughs> exactly. We are co-laborers. Exactly. That's absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So maybe just to kind of set the stage, if you guys would take a second and talk about maybe your faith journey, how did you get from 
Mm. Whatever you were doing, you know, when you got engaged, I guess, to, to where we are now, because it's there's a lot going on. How did that all transpire? Oh, my gosh. How much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try it. We'll try I'll it. give us the Reader's Digest version. The Reader's Digest version. The two things you don't give to an Irishman is an open beer and an open mic. Oh, okay. <laughs> very, very briefly, uh, for, for me, um, I, I grew up in, in a divorced family, so my parents got divorced when uh, right before I got into high school, and uh, that, that really left a mark on me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I fully appreciated, even now I'm still unpacking some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that really set me on a journey when I was a teenager saying, I know what I experienced wasn't what the original plan was, and it actually drew me to God. When I was starting to wander uh, it was actually through that divorce that mm. I started looking for something better and knew that I was broken myself, but I also wanted something better. So uh, when I saw Alicia on campus, uh, we were both uh, alums of Franciscan University. Oh, wow. And, okay. uh, and so we... I'm kind of representing today with my... I saw that. I saw that, <laughs> yes. awesome. that It was not on purpose, but... <laughs> but um, not only was I attracted to her in, in many ways, but, but her whole background, uh, growing up uh, in her family, and her family, as I got to know them, were really attractive to me. Yeah, so I'm my, my maiden name is Doman, and so I'm one of 10 Doman children who have been in all kinds of ministry and, you know, different work throughout the church. And, uh, and I just, I grew up... It's funny because we have a lot of similarities in our background, but also different. You know, my parents are desperately in love with each other and have have been married over 50 years, actually getting ready to celebrate my dad's 80th birthday party mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. And yeah, and we just raised in this really dynamic Catholic household. My parents were um, had a, a reconversion um, through the charismatic renewal mm-hmm. in the in the 70s. And that was the atmosphere in which I was raised my entire life and really came into a personal relationship with the Lord um, at a very young age. And when, by the time we met, like Mike said, we were both on very similar paths in look, knowing we were to be married. Even at 18, both of us knew that, you know, this is what God had for us. We, were, we wanted to be married and that we wanted to just, do whatever God wanted us to do with our lives. I don't think either of us had a, I mean, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. That was, that was one mm-hmm. thing that was always in my mind. And I think that comes out in the podcast too, as a very teaching, mm-hmm. you know, heart, I guess. Um, but meeting Mike and finding somebody who'd never, the, the thing about the divorce is that he never took anything about the family for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, if we just go to mass and get married, everything will be great. You know, <laughs> he, he took none of that for granted. And because I we went just, to church on Sunday my, and, and right. my, my family never missed mass, you know. Right. And it's like it kind of opened up my eyes in some ways because, you know, when you it's like a fish in water, you know what I mean? Like you grow up in a great atmosphere and you just think, oh, this is normal. But then to realize, no, I have been given a great gift, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that and Mike in his speaking and his asking questions. And like I said, from the very beginning of our marriage, being very intentional about our family life and that our ministry is really kind of an outgrowth of that. And we try to share that intentionality and just our experiences and different things we've learned uh, with the families that we talk to. Mm, That's great. Yeah, it's interesting when we started with this talking about messy families and uh, you talk about, you know, having a divorce in your family, which creates mess, right? And how God 
is in the middle of that as long as we continue to seek him out and he's there. So we appreciate that real life experience of how God enters into uh, making things straight that are very crooked. But if you do me a favor, if you don't mind going back, tell us about your work backgrounds from when you came out of college and then talk to us about quitting those jobs to go into full-time mm. ministry because um, obviously there's some um, ramifications of leaving a job with 10 kids and I'm sure they're various ages all the way down to young enough. So how did you, what did you do to start? How did you come to the realization of doing that? And merely how has God worked with you in the midst of that change? You know, sometimes life only makes sense looking back on it. It didn't always make sense looking going forward, right? You know? I'm going to let Mike tell most of the story, but let me just say the overall theme of this is God knows how dense we are and how dumb we are, and he is so gentle. He is the most gentle of fathers, and we are just little babies. <laughs> I, was thinking so anyway. the, I was thinking the overall theme was going to be faith because it sounds like it took a whole lot of faith for, this, for you guys yeah. to take this step. No, yeah, God is yeah. he's very good to us. <laughs> and, and just to kind of give a, a brief arc of the story, right? So uh, there was this powerful moment of, of turning, of conversion when I was young. Uh, still, you know, never left the faith. I never stopped practicing the faith, but had a, a moment of, of real renewal uh, throughout college. You know, there was moments of looking, well, do I want the priesthood? Is this, is this God calling me? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was clear I was I was oriented towards marriage and family. And I think my parents' divorce actually kind of put that seed very strongly in my heart. Um, and, and and you know not just wrote straight with crooked lines, but took something that was meant for evil into something that was beautiful mm-hmm. and Amen. awesome, right? Um, and so with that, uh, looking forward at at careers, I I was on a path to be a business consultant. I was MBA doing that, um, and uh, and then I got called into politics for about ten years. And which was great, fighting for life, fighting for family, religious liberty. Uh, but then I ended up uh, about 10 years as one of the vice presidents at Franciscan University, so my, our oh, wow. alma mater, and uh, loved it. Uh, got to work with some amazing people. I'm a huge fan, uh, still still am. And in the midst of this uh, is when, uh, on a silent retreat one year, really felt the calling. We need to do more for marriage and family. We had done marriage prep early. We had led uh, Bible studies for couples and, you know, did a lot of different activities, but they were all just kind of on our own or in our parish. And then it was uh, during this uh, retreat, it was, you need to do more for marriage and family. We didn't think we had anything to share, mm. but we said, all right, well, we'll try this thing that our, our uh, Alicia's younger brothers and sisters and others who had come to us for advice is like, you guys have to start a podcast. And we're like, What's the podcast? This is like in 2015 or so. And it was really, honestly, my younger brothers and sisters, probably two years of them asking us to do a podcast. And and Mike is very, um, very techie. And so he figured everything out very early on before. Right now, it's like everybody has a podcast. But when we started, because we've been doing this for almost 10 years, um, there was there was a lot fewer podcasts than there are today. But, and so so yeah. just that that moment of transition uh, where in uh, 2017, I, I won't go through all the details, but it, that was the moment where we said, OK, let's just draw up a plan. What what could we do? We were gaining so much life out of this. We love the, the podcast. How and the podcast this- was growing, too. That was the big thing also is mm. that we were like. Who are these people listening to this podcast? <laughs> I thought it'd be family and friends, and then five thousand, yeah. and then ten thousand. We don't have that yeah. many friends listening. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's no way people know that. And, uh, and, and what did we so hear we, though? A hundred thousand? 
Uh, no, no, no. We're, well, we not we, at that point. <laughs> no, yeah, so we we're just probably around twenty-five to forty thousand every month that are that are okay. uh, tuning into the show, right? And uh, now maybe maybe a little bit more. Um, but uh, during that time, it was uh, it, it really was this moment of grace where I just drew up a plan and said, okay, I'm an MBA. How would I run this as a business? And I had a plan for like a three to five year side hustle phase it in. Right. And then I shared it with a friend of mine and said, Hey, what, what do you think of this from a business standpoint, CFO? And, you know, and he says, I hope you don't mind. I pass it on to a foundation. They want to talk to you about giving you, starting you off. And so we had uh, a foundation, our Sunday visitor foundation mm. approached mm. us and said, we've been looking for stuff for, for Catholic parents. Would you guys consider jumpstarting this and going right into it now? My background at wow. the university was fundraising. And I looked at this and said, this is what God has planned. Yeah, it yeah. was scary because we had 10 kids. I had a daughter who was getting married. We, mm-hmm. you know, we lost all benefits, all safety nets. And at that point in my life, it seemed like a foolish thing on paper. But it made mm-hmm. the most sense where it lined yeah. up with both skills, talents, and where we believed God was calling us. It was just a lot quicker. Yeah. But because we kind of had our own family board meeting conversation before this, we're like, we already had this conversation and we knew yeah. we're all in on family. And so... So five years now in the making, yeah. uh, it's been great, a great ride. It's a roller coaster uh, in, in many ways, but a uh, great adventure. But we had talked about it beforehand, and so we knew in our minds this was something we wanted to do. So when the opportunity came a couple years quicker than we anticipated, you know, because when does the foundation come to you and say, <laughs> please apply for this grant? We want to give you money. And we're like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, you know. <laughs> So we kind of felt like we need to jump on this right now. And and that's what I mean about how God is just so gentle with us and has been walking with us and very, very surely guiding us one, just one step at a time. Yeah. Step at a time. Um, it, listeners, if you were just tuning in, you were listening to uh, uh, Mike and Alicia Hernan, and they are um, the founders of MessyFamilyProject.org. And you can hear just the joy in their voice. You can hear the laughter. You can hear the the um, just the wisdom born of experience um, as you're listening to them. So um, as you're talking, I'm smiling, too, because I'm thinking about how God is not only gentle, but he prepares us in ways that we had no idea, right? All the different mm-hmm. things that you had, you know, Alicia, your heart for teaching, um, you know, Mike, your business and fundraising, all the connections you were making. He was weaving all of those threads together far in advance of this actually happening. Um, the family room happened kind of out of the blue as well. Same type of thing. I got asked to do something and three three shows turned into 42 shows and then that turned into the family room right and it was the yep. same thing i'm like i have no experience i have no idea what i'm doing and god spoke to me and said um he threw a, the, a, a verse in isaiah i've given you a well-trained tongue and i was like oh that that 30 years of being a a leadership consultant um and speaking to groups oh i guess that's you know what you want to do yeah so it's it's uh it's pretty amazing how god does that so you know you're walking into this and you say okay we've got we've got a foundation after us we've got all of these you know our younger siblings asking us for our advice and our wisdom but there there are a lot of people doing stuff for families out there right there are a lot of resources supposedly there are a lot of resources out there maybe more secular resources than anything but if you think about um your resources and what you're sharing on uh, family life and raising kids what have you found is different from what you're sharing and how people are receiving it versus what they can get from all of the other potential resources that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that we always say 
is that there is um, there is more than one way to be a parent. Mm-hmm. And we have seen all different kinds of families who work very well and those who don't. Yeah. And it really doesn't. And this is the thing is that what people, oh gosh, I feel like people in our world today, right? Everything is like shifting sand within our culture. Yeah. So a lot of young people are like, they're looking for the black and the white. Mm-hmm. They're like, just tell me the right way to do it. Just, just tell me the right way. And they, they want to like cling to that. Right. And I'm, we're very, very sympathetic to that, um, that heart right, because fact. I understand because there's so much that's shifting around, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. In what is acceptable and not. But the reality is that the church doesn't tell us what to think. She tells us how wow. to think. Yeah. And so that's why the church is speaking. When the church speaks about family life, the church doesn't say, okay, here's your checklist. Do this, 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 and your kids will turn out great. Or do this, 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 and then you're allowed to postpone having pregnancy or whatever it is. You know, the, but the church calls us as a loving parent, as a mother, right? Our mm-hmm. mother church to inform our conscience and to, fa- to shape us. And so really our ministry is a reflection of that, recognizing that, you know what, we have some families who dad stays at home and mom works full time. Mm-hmm. You know, some families who homeschool and they have big families, some families, they send their kids to public school, they have two kids, whatever. What matters is that we are families who live intentionally and that we are constantly working to bring ourselves into conformity with Jesus mm-hmm. and with his will and learn more and recognizing that this family life, what is, what is family life? It is a vocation, right? Yep. What is a vocation? A vocation is a path to holiness. Yes. And Jesus didn't say, pick up your lollipops and skip with me through the toilet mm. to everlasting <laughs> life. You know? no. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. But my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. And so when we recognize that this family, this life of family, this is for my holiness, my holiness till the day I die. And my parents are such an inspiration to me because I love it sometimes being with them and I and seeing them get into like disagreements sometimes. I kind of feel like, ooh, I want to watch. How does this work? Out? <laughs> you know? And just recognize that they're still growing. You know, they're still growing. They'll they're still learning. I see them still, you know, loving each other, apologizing, you know, growing in holiness. And they're a lot more closer to glory than, than we are. You That's know? great. And Alicia, do you, is- do you warn your parents that they might end up on your podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh they have been on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We yeah, they all sign disclaimers. <laughs> Wait, before yeah, this argument that. continues, sign this disclaimer because I want to be able to use it. And mom, talk yeah, louder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't hear you. <laughs> We're recording this. That's right. That's right. Well, and also, too, just the, the, something that I found is, um, is distinct in the way that we approach things is that we found a lot of resources for parents are already – are heavily oriented towards moms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of mommy blogs, a lot of you know podcasts and, and, and books and resources oriented towards towards moms, which is great. Moms need a lot of encouragement, support, and, and that's, that's awesome. Uh, but what we try to do is as a couple, right? And so we always try to give both the, the masculine, the feminine, the mom, the dad perspective um, so that they see the fuller picture. Not every man acts identical or every woman, you know, anything like that, but that there is a beauty to complementarity. 
mm-hmm. and that if we looked at the simple ordering of when you get your spiritual life in order, you get your marriage in order, then flowing from that, right. you can form and parent your kids much more effectively. Mm. And that, looking at those simple principles, which we all know, but we try to speak into that so that they see in our conversation, this right. is what our, our hope is, that it sparks, it sparks a conversation between the husband and wife uh, right. so that they hear us dialoguing and they're going to go home and talk about that topic and make it their own. Because the church is beautiful at giving us guardrails. Uh, but then a lot of principles for us to apply. Right. So we try to do uh, do that effectively in our, our show so as to give empower them so they can mm-hmm. make the wisest, prudent, uh, virtuous decisions in their home. And it is a great question. Like you said, what makes our resources different than others? And I really think the couple-focused um, approach that we have is because where do you get the grace to be a parent? Where do you get that grace? Mm-hmm. You get it from the sacrament of matrimony. Exactly. So you exactly. not talk about parenting without talking about your marriage. When couples come to us this discipline question, we always go back to the marriage. Yeah. Where are you guys together? Where's your unity? What do you think? What does dad think? What does that look like? Because out of that is going to flow the grace to be a parent. And I think a lot of times that's kind of forgotten. Yeah. You, so there's, you've hit on a bunch of things and we're going to want to dial in a little bit deeper in our second hour also. But um, if, if you could summarize maybe one or two of the key lessons learned early on that have kind of been the foundation of, of how you've mm. built out all these resources that you have is, can you summarize that for us in a couple key lessons? No. Okay. <laughs> and we're going to break. Um, folks, don't go away. Mike is going to think of some things and, uh, <laughs> No, but, but I, I kind of mentioned the uh, – I'll just mention four key principles, right. uh, and I've already mentioned three of them already, but um, is, is the, the primacy of the spiritual life of the home. Uh, second is the marriage is the foundation, and meaning if you want to be a, a great parent, you need to be an amazing spouse. Uh, two, you are irreplaceable in the life of your kids. Uh, there's no coach, no teacher, no youth minister, no priest, nobody who can take your place mm-hmm. in the formation of your kids. And four, we must be intentional about growing our family culture. And these are the traditions, the habits of the home, the, both the fun, the play, as well as just the rhythm and routine of our home. Those four mm-hmm. principles, I guess I would say, some of those have been gifted to us by others. Obviously, the church has got a lot of wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. We've just spent a lot of time looking at others, because I always ask questions, because I had no idea what I was entering into. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept looking for advice, and I still do. What made your marriage success? Almost right. every time when I ask somebody that, they say date nights, regular yeah. date, you know, mm. all those kind of things. And that's kind of gleaned into our four uh, big principles there. Well, and I love you kept saying intentionality. We've mentioned on the show numerous times, intentionality is the key to any success in anything you're doing, right? And I think too many times we're reactionary and we're not intentional on how we're dealing with it. And it's like, life just punched me in the face. How am I going to react to it versus... I'm intentional, I'm praying, I'm doing the thing. So I appreciate you um, bringing that up. Kind of a silly question because we talk about, you know, I was going to ask you how important is strengthening your marriage. But instead of asking it like that, talk about why strong marriages are so important as it relates to raising godly and well-rounded kids. Hmm. The church tells us that parents provide the first image of God for their children, Mm -hmm. right? What an awesome responsibility. And that can be kind of overwhelming. And we have to recognize that what is God is 
how is God presented to us, right, in, in the Trinity, in the form of the Trinity? And um, Pope Benedict talks about um, the family is like the icon of the Trinity. And, and I think taking that, um, taking that to heart, that if you really think about it, it makes sense why subconsciously, psychologically, spiritually, the unity between parents loving their children is the only way to effectively image God. Mm. I cannot, as a mother, image God for, for, my, for my child because I provide my womanly, my feminine perspective, right, which certainly those children need. But then when I have my husband who is giving that masculine perspective, which is, like Mike was saying before, that complementarity is absolutely essential. But then each of us, not only are we relating to our child, right, from that man-woman perspective, but our child is observing our couple of mm-hmm. our love. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the marriage is absolutely essential. One of the things, um, so Mike is um, on the board of a, a great ministry called Life-Giving Wounds that, uh, that uh, ministers to adult children of divorce. Mm. And they talk about the couple love that children want to bask in the couple love of their parents and how very important, how very important that is. Yeah, it's a, it's a sure fixed point for the kids. It's, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the safety of knowing that this is stable rock foundation yeah. on which as a child, I have emotional, spiritual, psychological, mm-hmm. all, all that security that's built up. And there's tons of social science research that points to better grades, better health, better mm-hmm. mental health, even physical development of uh, premature children mm-hmm. when they're, they're in that stable environment shows the greater health and growth, let alone uh, reduction in poverty and everything else. It's, it's a yeah. powerhouse uh, for our kids. And yeah. it, it's unfortunate to have to see this, but it's like what we are seeing now is the negative effects of when we have these long-term studies now of divorce. Mm-hmm. And so now you see on the negative end how important a stable marriage actually is. And that is, yeah. that's something that anybody who's struggling in their marriage should really look at and it motivates you to get that marriage strong for the sake of your children and yourself. Yeah, and we're gonna to wanna to talk more after our break about that and about, okay, so parents say, okay, so our marriage is, is foundational, it's bedrock, that's what we need to do. So how do we do that? What do we do? And as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, years ago, 25, 30 years ago, listening to James Dobson and some of the other people talking about it. And he talked about how, just even like if dad comes home from work and if it's a home where the mom is, is working in the home and the dad's working outside the home, dad comes home from work. And if he stops and spends time with mom, that those mm-hmm. kids see that and how impactful that is. And there was even one story of a child who kept climbing into bed with the parents at night. And they're like, how do we get the kid out of the bed? Why does the kid keep climbing into bed? Well, once the child was able to see their mom and dad spend 10 minutes just alone, just the two of them. And saw, like you said, that love between mom and dad when he first came home from work. All of a sudden, he stopped getting in bed with them. He just wanted to make sure they mm. were they were connecting. They were close. Isn't that interesting? It is. If you were just tuning in, you were here in the family room with Mike and Alicia Hernan of Messy Family Project. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? 
Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's health care services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not health care. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. Right here on AM 1160, The Quest. You've been listening to the Messy Family Project that's uh, sponsored by Mike and Alicia Hernan. We always like to ask about the family room memory. What in your family room or what in your kitchen or what in your you know, backyard really sticks out in your minds as a family memory? All right. So the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, I, I mentioned I came from a divorced family and, you know, I, I am far from perfect. So I feel like I've had lots of ups and downs. I've apologized to my kids a lot over the years. <laughs> and and um, I, I, have, I have had and probably still remain, you know, a little bit of a yeller. Uh, and so I'm, I'm working on. That's the favorite okay, family. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> he's, he's qualifying the memory. He's going yeah. down his I Irish path. All out there. <laughs> I, I remember sitting down for a Christmas dinner, right? And so we 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 built. Uh, you know, after a while, we had built our own home. We actually made the dining room larger so our family could fit in it. It wasn't a. We had to stretch out the room, right? And so we've got grandkids. We've got all our adult children. 
and it was a raucous mess. I mean, there were little kids jumping up and down, trying to get it around. Nobody wanted to get their food. The, the high chair, the kid was trying to dive off the top. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sitting there just kind of observing all of this and seeing the interaction between our younger kids and our adult children. I'm seeing my, my, my son and my daughter having their little kids, you know, folding their hands. Uh-huh. And I started crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I looked out and said, this is the culmination of you know 20 plus years of mistakes but but also some successes some some moments of grace where i could look and say we have you know not made it but that it was all worth it mm-hmm. and that the, the sacrifices and the sleepless nights and the everything else i'm like seeing our kids both interacting the love and joy that they wanted to be together but that they were passing on the faith and the things that we cherish to the next generation and seeing the way that our grandkids responded and that we were just together. For me, that was a taste of heaven. It was just perfect. Uh And a lot for us happens around the dining room table. You know, a lot of conversations, a lot of interactions, a lot of just figuring out each other. And, you know, so to me, that was that was a a favorite family room. If that's 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 acceptable. Yeah, that's that's great. That's excellent. Yeah. So during um, there, first of all, it is a very hard question because there's so many memories, you know, like <laughs> that's good. They're very varied rooms in our home. But I was just thinking about um, during COVID, we had several um, we had several themed parties um, with our family. Because all so, our college kids got, you know, because all of our college yeah, got sent home. Yeah, yeah. yeah for home and then we had you know two in-laws at that point so they were you know around too they live in town with us and with the grandchildren and everything so we had several themed parties but one we <laughs> just remembering <laughs> making me laugh we did a, a big st patrick's day party you know mike is irish and so i'm really the only person in the family who's not irish which is a great scandal <laughs> but, for her yeah <laughs> we're hoping her blood will convert one of these days <laughs> But anyway, but I did I did know a little bit of Irish dancing, and so we I put on and I was trying to teach all of the kids, the teenage boys, my adult sons, my in laws about how to do these Irish, and they were ridiculous. And so of course it turned into this big like mosh pit thing in the middle of the kitchen, and I have the video, and I'm like so serious trying to get them to listen to me, and it just. It was it was very funny. I still think it's about a real, that now. it's a real mess. It's a real <laughs> exactly. again. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Lots and lots and lots of memories. Now. Those are awesome. That's funny. Those are awesome. So before we went to break, one of the things that you both were talking about is just that foundation of being a couple first and foremost. Yeah. How important yes. how important yeah. it is for our children for them to see the strength in our marriage and that strength, as you said, that comes from the fact that we are, this is a sacrament. We are sacramentally married. And, um, I always envision that third strand, you know, we had the reading Mm -hmm. in our wedding. I'm sure a lot of people had it, you know, the reading and that third strand. And I always think of that third strand and, you know, God and Jesus right there wrapped in with us. Hopefully we're, we're clinging to that hard, but what are some of the things that you recommend when you talk about parenting as a team? I know you've already mentioned um, date nights and how regular date nights are so important, but what else would you say to people about that importance of, of parenting as a team? What does that look like? The simple way to look at it is we need a kind of a daily or weekly um, 
engagement, a monthly and an annual. Okay. Um, and and the, the daily being like coffee and wine, you know, begin your day and maybe end your day together if possible, right? And that's wine, W-I-N-E, not W-H-I-N-E. That's in between. You do coffee, wine, and wine. Yes, If you have a lot of wine, you need more wine. Um, but but th- just that idea that on a daily basis, a little check-in, even if you're traveling, like just a, a little brief check-in, see what's going on. But on a weekly, you really should be having some kind of conversation to make sure the two of you are connected. And, and maybe that's a, for us, we end up actually doing a weekly date night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that we have found, particularly in our ministry, is essential for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at least on a weekly basis, comparing schedules, making a plan, making sure you know, where, you know not, not just logistically, but are we on the same page? Are we moving together? Um, and so we either weekly or monthly date nights, um, and it, they can be in, uh, but ideally you're at least once a month you're going out. And it could be just in, in the park. It could be uh, anywhere. And um, what we need is on an on a annual basis for you to go. It's kind of like your spiritual life, right? So it's mm-hmm. like if you're not praying every day, you're missing out, mm-hmm. right? And, and if there's not at least once a, a week where you're doing maybe a holy hour or at least once a month doing that, you're missing something. But annually, you need to go on a retreat. And mm-hmm. annually, we need to get away from the kids because we need to put the oxygen mask on to remind, mm-hmm. you know, who are we first as a husband? I need to remind my wife she's first my bride before she's mommy. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think those simple things, and we, one of the things we try to do in our ministry is provide excuses for people to do this. Like in, uh, in June, we have um, uh, the, uh, uh, Peter and Debbie Herbeck on for like a virtual date night, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a beautiful book uh, on marriage and, and family life. And mm-hmm. we try to create excuses for people to get together and have those date nights and have some meaningful conversations where you're not just talking about the kids and logistics. Right. You're going back to who we are as individuals and as a couple to be refreshed. Another aspect of, because the first thing I thought of when you talked about parenting as a team um, on less of a logistical or practical level. So that's, that's a very, the time obviously is very important and Mm -hmm. practical, but I think it's also very important um, that you recognize that mothering and fathering are two different things. Mm -hmm. It's not just parenting, right? Mm -hmm. And that dad is not an assistant mom. Mom is not vice president dad, that you (laughs) each bring your own um, experience, your own gifts, your own personality, um, just your own like male and female, you bring that to the table and that God is going to bless that when you're working in unity together mm-hmm. because he created these children from the two of you. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so that is not, it's God didn't just like create that child and then be like, okay, now you can do whatever, you know, no, he gave you this child and said, now you two are uniquely gifted to parent this child, yeah. right? And so it's not just the church in the, her documents doesn't simply talk about being a procreative within, within marriage, but also talks about the education of mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the children need both of you. And I found, we find a lot of parents feel very um, inadequate, ill-prepared, Somebody else would do this better than there me. There was no manual. You know? No. Exactly. <laughs> like, Unless you guys found one. <laughs> right. I think Adam and Eve so, messed that up, too. It's yeah, gone, it's gone forever. Exactly. Yeah, it's gone. Exactly. But what we want to encourage parents to know is that that, is, that discouragement is from the evil one, right? Right. right. That, and, and that, in some ways, the world tells us that. 
because there's so many experts out there. We talk about the tyranny, the tyranny of experts, yes. you know, saying, oh, you should do this. You should do this. What parents need to do is just take a breath and recognize that whatever God asks you to do, he will give you the grace to do it. Right. 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 And, um, and Mike is very fond of saying God loves us too much to ask us to ask us to do things that we can do on our own strength. He <laughs> always asks us to do things that are beyond our ability. That's right? what it means to be people of faith. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. because he wants us to turn to him. Yeah. And so we really want parents to know, with by the grace of God, you can do this. Not only you can do this, you were made for this. Yes. yes. You yes. were made for this. And yeah. just kind of go forward in that confidence yeah sounds like you were reading uh, dr ray garendi's books i mean he consistently <laughs> says you know more than you think you do quit listening to people like myself that's an expert right and I, yeah, yeah. And I, he is great I, yeah. and I think when we uh decide that god does have the answers not always us and some other expert we end up in a better place mm-hmm. yeah, yeah definitely sure. yeah as you're talking to us i think i was remembering not only are there all those experts out there, but they start sending you their catalogs and their magazines as soon as you have a baby. I think at the hospital, instead of giving you an instruction <laughs> manual at the hospital, they give your address out to oh. everybody, right? <laughs> you start getting stuff. Because I do remember that many, many years ago as a young mom. Finally, one day deciding I am just throwing all this away because I don't, oh, I don't, sure. I don't want to, I don't want to read any of this, and I'm going to go find specific tree resources, which is why we are so thankful for Messy Family Project because you guys have some great resources on your website and uh, and tools that people can use. Um, and the other thing that I like to remind parents too is not only were you made for this, you were created for this, but that child was created to be your child, right? You were chosen very specifically by, by God to be their parents because yes. you were going to be the best parents for that child. And and if you are have an adopted child, God is in that as well. But I, sure. I think it's interesting how just saying that, sometimes I see people, their eyes get big as they stop and just reflect on that because they are, the evil one is out there trying to make you feel less than so often when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're parenting. And um, I also appreciate real quick, I want to mention that you guys said that when you have your date nights, that you're not just supposed to be sharing schedules and talking about the kids, that you're supposed to be reminding yeah. of who you are. I just spoke this weekend to a group of, a large group of moms who are all becoming empty nesters soon. And I said, a relationship that is so critical that you start being proactive right now about is the relationship with your husband, because you're going to become an empty nester and that is going to, your relationship is going to shift and change and you're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about different things. So what's your intentional plan about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. You know, there's the, there is some truth to the idea of the seven year itch, you ever, you know, the the challenges in marriages, but they're seeing more and more the phenomenon of gray divorce, where Mm -hmm. as the kids leave the home, Mom and dad, they were simply here to co-parent together, and they've lost, not just lost that love and feeling, Mm -hmm. they've lost the idea of what marriage is all about. And um, if I could just for a second, there there was this homily I found from Dietrich Bonhoeffer Mm. um, uh, maybe a little over a year ago. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, Nazi agitator and and so forth, uh, Lutheran pastor, while he was in a Nazi uh, prisoner of war camp, wrote a homily for his niece's wedding. Mm. And in it, he talked about how your love is your private affair, but your marriage is for the world. Wow. Uh, in, in, your, um, in your love, your personal love, you see the heaven of your own happiness. But in marriage, you're stepping into an office, I- into a role of responsibility to Christ in the church in the world. And what we have to recognize, it's, it's not our love that keeps our marriage alive, but it's the marriage, the sacrament that keeps our love alive. Uh, and by leaning into that, 
that's how we keep our marriage thriving. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to The Family Room, and we're here with uh, Mike and Alicia Hernan, and we're talking about The Messy Family Project. Lots of good stuff. Um, I'm going to back up just a, one step because you, you talked about the whole gray divorce thing and, and like you had all these kids and you've been focused on, on raising your children. And then all of a sudden you wonder, well, what's what's our life together? But if you've raised these children and they're having children, suddenly you are a grandparent. And and one of the things that, that, that got our attention, very honestly, about what you guys are doing with the Messy Family Project was the, the little article that you wrote in the Legatus magazine about grandparenting. So, yes. um, that, that that's a kind of an important role. And I guess my first question is, in your opinion, has the role of grandparenting changed from generation to generation? Um, mm-hmm. or, or is it, I mean, I'd love your thoughts on that, I guess. I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it has dramatic. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I think it has dramatically changed because I, I think if you go back, we lived in closer proximity mm-hmm. uh, to extended family than we, you know, there's a more of a modern phenomena of, of transitory, you know, we're living like we didn't grow up with our, our parents around us. Um, our, although our, gra- our parents, which are our kids' grandparents around, and um, but our kids are now growing around with us around. Mm-hmm. Like, so right. Our grandchildren mm-hmm. right. have us in the community, right? And uh, and I love that um, because in days gone by, I don't think our ministry would have been needed because you had aunts and uncles and grandparents who were mm-hmm. there to be like, hey, you know, you should be thinking about getting her out, taking that date night or doing this. or you know, there, there was this, this very tribe or clan uh, perspective. And so I do think grandparenting has changed, let alone when parenting changes, necessarily grandparenting changes because, uh, and it's not just technology, but technology is a big deal in parenting. And that changes a lot as grandparents need probably to, to step in a big way. But if we go back to our parents, they grew up in a generation where faith and values in general were supported by the culture. Right. Grandparenting today that is not the case, and we all know it. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. a massive shift, yeah. seismic shift. And so our role, I think, as grandparents has to step up, um, And but, but uh, the culture around us has shifted. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that there's a nuance there because I don't know if the role of grandparents has changed, like maybe how it's lived out, but I think the importance of grandparents is the same. Right. You know, and, and I, I, I feel like in the past maybe – I feel like there's been more changing in there's more people that tell parents what to do than tell grandparents. I know that's true. Yeah. There's a lot more, you know, directives towards parents, whereas grandparents, people usually let them alone and tell grandparents what to do, which is kind of refreshing. But I think that it's good for grandparents to recognize that after a child's parents, they are one of the most influential people, or they can be. They have the capacity to be, I should say that. They have the capacity to be one of the most influential people in the lives of their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And and when we were talking about like single parents before, for some children, the marriage of their grandparents is the one is the one example that they may have in their entire life of a healthy marriage. And that is so, so important that just as we were talking before um, about the parents showing love for each other, Mm -hmm. like in front of their children, which is, by the way, that's a really, really great story. I I just love that. Um, You can do that as grandparents as well. You know, like if you're so affection towards your spouse, 
you know, towards grandma or grandpa (laughs) in front of the grandchildren. And how much hope does that give a teenager to see these two old people, you know, (laughs) these two old people, they still love each other. They still got it, you know, (laughs) like they still look at each other with love in their eyes. How much hope does that give a teenager or a young adult to know that, you know, in this world where we have a whole hookup culture and people are just objectified so much for them to say, you know what, it is possible. Wow. It is possible for people to really love each other and to still have a vibrant life, you know, after so many years of commitment and marriage. I think that's really important. And I don't think that's ever going to change. I think, um, no, I think you're right. I think that, that it's always been there. We've talked in our group before, like my parents were both devout Catholics, but probably the the woman who increased my faith from a faith perspective was my grandmother and she lived with us. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I, I remember dating Barbara, my wife and, and watching a movie. I have no idea what the movie was. I just remember there was a scene in this movie. It was a TV. It was a made for TV movie in the seventies. So it was fairly normal. And, um, and there was a scene uh, of a, of an elderly woman who was the grandmother of, uh, of one of the stars in the movie. And um, her, her husband was laying in a lawn chair, like dozing off, right? And she was she was just like rubbing his back. He was asleep, and 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 the grandchild looked at the grandmother and said, "What are you doing?" And she said, Do "You know, it's been sixty years, and I still love touching him and feeling him close to me." And and of course, we're all mm. in college years, and there's hormones raging through every inch of our body, and we're thinking, <laughs> "Will you know? Will we ever get to that point?" And now here we are, six. Well, I'm sixty. A lot. And, um, and it's still, it is, I, I, I still, I, I, that little, why, why that stuck in my brain? I don't know, but it's, it was, it was like, I want to have that. I want to have that. So, yeah. Thank yeah. You're right. mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and I think what Mike said was, was really important too, though. The shift is we don't live around our families like we used to. And statistically right. speaking, it is factual that grandchildren are more secure. They're, they're, they're psychologically healthier and a lot of things when there are grandparents involved, because once again, Mm -hmm. it shows that security of the family, right? I mean, it's not just one group, it's generationally. And and, I mean, John, you brought it up. My mother, who's 94, continually tells me story about how when both grandparents lived at their house and how an uncle had to move in because Mm -hmm. of something going on. Psychologically, we were all a lot healthier when we had that around. We may have not loved it because... (laughs) One bathroom and 22 people in a house, <laughs> but you felt secure. You, you knew that right. somebody was there and had your back. Now, the question that spawns, though, is how much is too much in grandparenting? Yeah. Because, I mean, I know even with my own kids, right? And they're 19 and 24, and how many times you get, I got this. I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. That's and right. you're like, that's right. you got no stinking clue really what you're doing, but I got to back off even though I don't want to. How does yeah. that relate to grandparenting? Because you can overstep your bounds pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. 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 I think that what children need more than anything is that they need the security of their parents. And so when how can grandparents um, contribute to that? They can contribute by backing up the parents mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like when my, when my grandchildren are here at my house, and if my one of them comes to me and asks me for something, can I have lemonade? Can I have a piece of candy? What is my first response? Go ask mommy or daddy. Whatever mommy and daddy say, 
That's, I always say that. Now, if, if mommy and daddy is not there, I'm getting the cake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to say, spoil them. Because I want them to like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Mom and dad aren't there. No, it, it's, it's Noni's house. You know, you're getting the candy. You asked for it. You know. but, if, but if mommy and daddy are there, I always point the kids yeah. towards their parents. And I would never contradict my son, my daughter, my you know daughter, son-in-law ever in, in front of the children. And so kind of showing them that honor and respect, I think really ultimately helps the children. Even if it's, and believe me, there are times, you know, they parent differently than we did. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> go figure. But, you know, they have different, they, they have just different ways of doing things. Sure. You know, and if there's something that I see that's really maybe not working, I, I've never actually had to do this, I don't think. But I mean, if I could imagine, you know, saying something like, hey, would you, could I give you a piece of advice or, you know, but tread so lightly mm-hmm. because almost every woman I asked when my first daughter got married about being a mother-in-law, they just said, smile and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and it is such good advice. Yeah. I mean, like I could only imagine saying something if it was something I was, they were really, really struggling or I really, really was like, Oh, uh, you know, but so far, Keeping your mouth shut is a really good strategy. <laughs> and guess what? You can yeah. be praying really hard with your mouth shut. So that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. This has gone so fast, but we want to make sure that we give our listeners some insight into some of the additional resources that you guys offer. And I know you've got one coming up soon, the, the Play and Pray Challenge. Absolutely. So in um, the beginning of summer, we always like to encourage families to take the Play and Pray Challenge. Yes. And, and the idea here is that if you want to pray with your kids, you first need to play with your mm-hmm. kids. Okay. And so we encourage families in the month of June to do three simple things. One, make sure you've got a date night with mom and dad, because this again, this is where the love comes from. Two, plan a family fun day, like mandatory fun, everybody. And, and then the third is to enthrone Jesus Christ as the king of your family. Mm. Uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the feast this year is on June 16th. It's a great tradition when the church has lots of blessings for family life. We have a ton of free resources on that, ideas for date nights, ideas for family fun, as well as the whole formula for consecrating or renewing your consecration to Jesus on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And if families are interested, it really helps us if you can go to the website, messyfamilyproject.org, and sign up for the challenge, because then we can give you a sticker. And like Mike said, we've developed a download, a little booklet of resources that you can give you all different kinds of ideas for no matter what your budget or how much time you have to do all of those three things with your family because really we want to make jesus christ the king of the world one family at a time and we do have a um, a virtual date night i mentioned earlier with peter and debbie herbeck that we're doing on june 15th mm-hmm. uh, the eve before the feast of the sacred heart and so we'd love to invite yeah. people to Info join on us the on website that online uh, virtual date night yeah. that is great well we will have a link to messyfamilyproject.org in our show notes and and a d- few other pieces of information about your ministry would you do us the honor of praying for our listeners as we close out today happy to in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen, amen. Lord, you are the creator and designer of families. You know our hearts, you know our minds. We pray for all of the marriages here, Lord, all the challenges, the ups and downs that we experience in our daily life. Give us the grace to love our spouse like you do. Help us to love our kids with your heart. And Lord, bless and renew and restore family relationships and allow us, Lord, to know you in a new and more perfect way through the love of our 
spouse, our children, and the way that we give ourselves away. Lord, and bless this ministry and all the work in the family room. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Mike and Alicia. We have been blessed to have you with us today. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Join us here again next week in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.